when you're in that place and you're struggling with panic disorder and anxiety, it's there's so little hope and you feel so alone. I love sharing my story because I want people to know that you can find healing and you can learn to overcome and God can take you through it and to the other side. If you're walking through this, this doesn't negate your future. God has plans for you and he's gonna use it in your life. Hey guys, it's Melissa Moore. Thanks for joining me for today's episode of Faith, Hope, Love, where we grow together in our faith increase in hope and learn how to better love God and love other people. On today's episode, we are in the middle of this momentum series where we learn about moving on, moving forward and moving others. And in this episode, we're going to be talking with my good friend, Julie Hamilton, who has overcome panic disorder. And so she's going to share a little bit about herself and some of the things that she's walked through as she has worked through that diagnosis. And for any of you that have maybe struggled with mental health in the past, I know that's a big part of my story. If you go back, you can watch that episode a few episodes before this. And for those of you that are walking through that right now, I want to give you hope because it's possible to overcome. I know for me, it's taken medication, therapy, and a really strong relationship with God and other people in my life that were supporting me. And I know it's the same here for Julie. And so I'm excited for her to share a little bit of her story. And I hope that it's encouraging to you as it has been encouraging to me. So Julie, thanks for joining me on the show. If you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit about yourself and we'll jump on in. Thank you so much for having me. First of all, I'm so honored to be here and it's amazing how God connects us with people. And I'm just so honored that he connected us together. And, um, but yeah, so I'm Julie Hamilton and I'm a mom of two teenagers. Well, one is 20, one's 14 teenage girls. And I've been married 23 years. I recently, literally four months ago, moved from California, Napa, California to Chattanooga, Tennessee. So we took a cross country adventure, just feeling like the Lord was leading us. And it's been very interesting and exciting. And I'm a podcaster. I have a podcast. I train people to use podcasts. I am in social media and marketing. And that's pretty much me in a nutshell. Right on. Well, um, thanks just for joining us on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, so I mentioned it to you before, but we are in this momentum series, um, moving on, moving forward and moving others. And so we've been in the last few weeks talking about things like trauma, toxic relationships and mental health. And so I kind of wanted to bring you on just to kind of share a little bit of your story. Um, I kind of would love to hear what the kind of the, some of the events and stuff leading up to your diagnosis with panic disorder and what that's really looked like for you on a personal level. I think what happened with me is it was just kind of a perfect storm in my life. And I think that happens with a lot of people. Um, and not so I could just tell you the details of mine. I was under a massive amount of stress. I had toddler, I had a toddler and, um, I also was a district one, uh, district title one director for our school district. Um, meaning I was overseeing like 1500 students and all of the ones who were struggling in reading and math. Um, it was a huge responsibility covering four counties and just a lot of work on my plate. And this was about the time these events started happening about the time that the, um, war started in Iraq. And so I had been reading about all the things going on, just putting all that news in my head about the weapons. And they were talking about mustard gas and chemical warfare and biological warfare and all of these things. And I'm just a curious person and, and I, I want to stay up to date. So I had been just digesting massive amounts of news. I was under massive levels of stress. And, you know, your body 
can't take that very long. When you're under massive amounts of stress, and that seems to be one of the main triggers that I've seen in people walking through this is, is the stress level. And your body just can't handle that for a very long time. And so for me, it was just this one weird, perfect storm of experience. So um, my husband and I were sleeping and we lived kind of by the airport in Ontario, uh, California, not Canada, but Ontario, California. It's in Southern California. Lived kind of by the airport, but not in a flight path. And one night it was thunder and lightning. We had a storm and somehow a plane got off track. And so we're in the middle of the night. We're just sleeping and this jetliner literally buzzes the top of our house. And my husband jumps up and he ran to the window and he like throws open the curtains like, what just happened? And um, right then this flash of lightning hit and it was just like loud and thunder and the airplane and we could see the numbers going. I, could, I was laying in bed and I was looking through the window and I could see the numbers of the plane on the bottom of the plane um, going by. And in that moment, because of my stress level, because of what I had been ingesting, I thought that we were being bombed. I thought we were being attacked. And so all of a sudden I had this weird response. I couldn't breathe. And I, <laughs> my sister, I was having a baby shower for my sister the next weekend. And all of a sudden I found myself, I was hyperventilating. I thought I was dying. My heart was just pounding out of my chest. And literally, I was laying in the bathroom floor. I remember just I was curled up in the fetal position on a rug. And I was just saying, I don't want to die. Like, I, I literally thought I was dying. And I was just really upset about missing <laughs> Cindy's baby shower. Honestly, I was like, we have a baby shower next weekend. This cannot happen. But I, I literally thought we were going to die. I was so filled with fear. And so my husband was just like, what is going on? Well, I didn't know that that was my first panic attack and panic attacks. They feel like you're going to die. And so I had never had that feeling before. So I went back to bed and I remember when I woke up the next morning and here's how you know that you've been through a trauma and um, because trauma isn't just, you don't get just PTSD from just um, things that actually happen, but also perceived things that happen. So when I went the next morning, I woke up and I, I turned on the news and the anchors and everything were smiling. And I just was thinking like, how could they be going on? Like nothing happened. Like it just couldn't reconcile it with my, my experience. And so what come to find out that was my trigger point. And so from then on, that was the point that I just started having panic attacks all the time. And, um, so, I mean, even trying to take my daughter to the park, I would, you know, she was like three or four and I would be in hysterics thinking about taking her to the park. I mean, two weeks earlier, I would take her to the park and swing her and have a good time. Right. But now thinking of going to the park, I was so full of fear of something terrible happening that I would cry and I would force myself to go to the park. <laughs> then I would cry all the way home because um, it was so hard to just go out even in public and even outside of my house. And so that kind of started my journey um, with panic disorder. And so I went to the doctor 
And because I just after weeks and weeks and weeks of not being able to really function anymore, I couldn't do my job. I couldn't go about my normal life. I really tried, but I just couldn't. And uh, I remember one time my husband said, Julie, this is when I knew it was super bad is my husband was out at nighttime in our driveway and he said, Julie, come look at the moon. It's beautiful and bright. And I so badly wanted to go outside and look at the moon with him and enjoy it because I love all things nature, but I literally could not bring myself to walk outside. And so I was like, I'm going to do this, you know, and so without panicking. And so I remember walking to him and every step was just almost like my claws digging into the concrete. And, you know, normally I'm just like, I love being outside. I'm a total outdoor person. But for this moment, it took everything I had to go out in my driveway and look at the moon because I was filled with so much fear. And if you, I don't know if you've been through panic attacks. Have you been through panic attacks? Yeah, I I experienced that in college. Yeah. Uh, It's so hard. I remember this one time I was driving at nighttime. I'd gone to worship practice. I was a worship leader, gone to worship practice. And we were, it was, our church was right on a main street and I had a panic attack on the way home because I couldn't reach my husband. And I'm telling you all the details because when I say them out loud, I think how silly was that? But it was so real at the moment. I couldn't reach my husband by cell phone. So I was, it was like 10 o'clock at night and I was like, oh my gosh, something happened. Oh my goodness. I started having a panic attack. So I saw this gas station and I pulled over into the gas station and I went inside and I said, can I use your phone? Because I'm having a panic attack. And so I, I called Damien and he goes, where are you? And I, I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember the name of the street. I couldn't remember the name of the gas station. And I've been down the street probably 10,000 times. Um, I couldn't remember the name of the gas station. I remember looking down and it said AM PM. So I said, I'm at, I'm at the AM PM. And he's like, which one, what street is it on? And I could not remember. And that's just how panic attacks work. It just gets the best of your mind. Like it just is this vicious cycle, you know, and um, you've experienced it. So it sort of stops you from thinking logically. I ended up going to the doctor and because I was like, I need I need help. Like I could not do my regular life. And so they said, you have a lifetime diagnosis of panic disorder you're always going to be this way. You're you're going to have panic attacks forever. And I would have multiple a day, probably 10, 15 a day, you know, and this is going to continue and you're just going to have to learn how to deal with it. We're going to give you some relaxation techniques, um, et cetera. And that's when I got that diagnosis. Obviously, it's a really intense situation that you were in. I mean, I know for myself, I, I've experienced panic attacks, um, not quite to that degree, Um, For me, it was like just a couple here and there um, throughout college. But I I mean, for so many people like yourself, this is just a normal part of life almost that it just becomes your reality. Um, So that's not where you're at today. And I would I would love to kind of hear what is healing looked like for you personally? I mean, is there a way to really move on from panic disorder? The Lord used a lot of things to heal me. And one of the crazy things was about six months after that episode of not being able to go outside, this lasted for about two years. 
um, even with medication and everything. And about six months after that episode where I couldn't go outside, you know, God took me around the world to Africa twice. Um, you know, and so I just say that to say like, there is hope and God is good and you're not alone in this and you can get better and get healed from that and learn tools um, to work on that. So what it looked like was when I went to the doctor, they gave me this diagnosis and I ended up going on medication. Um, that was one of the things that really helped me because my body, my body chemicals were just crazy. And I couldn't, it was like, I couldn't get enough rest to actually start recovering. And so what the medication did was it helped me be able to calm my body enough to start recovering and start healing. And, you know, it's hard because in the body of Christ, they oftentimes feel like you don't need medication. You just need Jesus. You know, but really in my circumstance, I needed the medication to allow my body the rest to recover. And there's no shame in that. And I need your listeners to know that today, that if you have to take medication for depression, anxiety, addiction, like all the things, it's okay. God uses medicine to heal us. And there's no shame in doing that. And um, so that was one piece of it. Um, I started going to therapy. So I would go visit with a, was it a psychotherapist or psychologist? I don't remember. Anyway, um, I would go to therapy and they would help me talk through things, help give me um, relaxation uh, techniques to be able to sort of put my mind and my body at ease. That was another piece. Another piece was just praying and um, really leaning into the Lord. And so for me, one of the hard things is that you hear all these lies in your head. So for me, I would often hear when I was having a panic attack, you're going to die, you know? So you hear kind of lies and things like that in your head. And one of the best things that God taught me was to renew my mind with the truth, to renew my mind with scripture. And so for me, I would post verses like this verse in, uh, on my mirror was in a big thing. And it said, though my heart and my flesh may fail, God is my portion forever. Because I knew my body was failing me, my heart was failing me, my mind was failing me, that God never fails. And so for me, an important thing was being able to voice the truth in and knowing that my body was not a good thermostat for the things going on around me. I realized that my thermostat was broken. Some of the things that would bother me, they weren't really things to be worried about. And so I had to really learn to be dependent on other people. And that was the challenge. If you're like an independent woman, you know, and you're strong, you know, I was like a strong Texas girl, you know, um, but this taught me to be humble. And so I realized that my thermometer wasn't working and I would gauge things like they weren't. And I would think things were real that weren't. And I would think things weren't real that were. And so I started looking to other people to sort of let them be the thermostat that would tell me. So I would wake my husband up in the middle of the night and I would say, can you breathe right now? He'd say, yeah. So I just, I didn't believe it, but I was like, okay, I can breathe too right now, you know? And, um, or I'd say, hey, are you worried about that van down the street, that white van that nobody belongs to. And he'd say, nope. And I'd say, okay, then I'm not worried about it either. Even though I was internally, I had to learn to gauge other people's realities as more accurate than my own. And that helped me a lot. And learning how to be in relationship with people was great, especially even um, learning how to say things out loud. Like 
if you, I don't know about you, but sometimes I've had a panic attack over the dumbest things. And learning how to say them out loud was one of the ways that I was able to um, be vulnerable and then kind of laugh at the situation. Like I remember this one time, um, and this was just like probably five years ago, not that long ago. And my oldest, my toddler then is 20 now. So it, you, you have to like keep on top of this thing. But uh, I was at the grocery store and I was in the produce section and I felt like everybody was looking at me. I have no idea why <laughs> I started to have a panic attack, but I recognized it. And I called my husband. I said, babe, I think I, I feel like I'm starting to have a panic attack. And he's been very understanding and helpful. I was like, I just feel like everybody in the produce section is looking at me. And right when I said that, I just started laughing because I was like, why would I have a panic attack over this? Like, you know, it's not even that important. It doesn't matter. It's not even true. And so I think learning to bounce things off of other people was also a big, big um, part for me. And then having friends that would come and support and pastors that would support and pray for you. But uh, one more thing is talking about it. Um, when you're going through it, you feel like you're all alone. Like, especially I would say in Christian circles, Sometimes we don't talk about mental issues, mental health issues. And so I felt alone. I didn't want people to know that I was going through this. I didn't want them to know that I was um, on medication. And especially as the worship leader, you know, we'd be going through something. I'd be having a panic attack and I didn't want them to know. And so, but the one thing I learned is that the more that I talked about it, the more people I found out had also dealt with it and overcome it. And, and even some of my older lady friends would just come along and say, you know what, when I was your age, I went through that too. And I'm looking at them because they're like major women of the faith, you know, and they're like peaceful and all together and I'm a mess. And I could look at them and say, oh, okay, so I'm, I'm not alone. And it's something like 18% of adults are going through this right now. In America, there is a ton of people who are going through anxiety, especially with the pandemic and all of that increasing and the um, feeling of being unsafe in a lot of areas, the anxiety is just through the roof. And so if you're experiencing anxiety, you just need to know that you're not alone and talking about it is going to let you find out that there's other people who are going through it too, and, and they can come and surround you and lift you up in that. I love it. I feel like you you touched on so, so many different things. The idea of really breaking down the stigma, I think is a huge, huge thing with regardless of what diagnosis someone gets, I think within the church, especially, and I mean, in general, in general, in society right now, there's a huge stigma still against mental health, which is crazy because it's not new. Um, but like being able to talk about medication and therapy having, you know, continuing your relationship with God and also having a support system that can, I mean, you can bounce ideas off of. I know that was a big thing for me was being able to say to my husband, well, he was my boyfriend then, but is this real? Like, is what's happening now really, really happening? And for him to be able to say no, and then, okay, great. And it, I mean, for me, you know, anxiety has never just fully gone away. There's other things I'll, I've shared in previous episodes about my personal mental health walk, but it doesn't mean that it's ever going to fully go away. But there's, there's ways to learn how to move forward through mental health stuff. And it, again, it takes oftentimes takes medication, takes therapy, takes a relationship with God, and it takes a supportive group of people that are going to love you through it. So it's, it is a huge, huge, huge thing that you've walked through. Um, and I love the fact that you've shared that you still have episodes occasionally like that is real. 
And um, I feel that with, with the things I've walked through. So I love that you brought that up about experiencing it still, because that is so true. And, and you're right. It never just goes away. But one of my favorite tools is gratitude. Um, because you can't experience, you're experiencing either love or fear at any one time. And so when you're walking in love, you can't experience fear. So when you're going along and you're feeling that coming on and you just start giving thanks for all the things going right in your life, that God is protecting you, that he's walking with you. He has a future for you and a plan for your life. You know, that fear fades away. You can't be fearful and grateful at the same time. So I just, uh, while you were talking, I just felt that in my spirit. Um, I would love to kind of hear you touched on it just a little bit. Um, how has this impacted your relationship with God? Like, have you felt like it's, you know, helped your relationship with him? Has it made you doubt him? What has been your experience? Yeah, I think that it really impacted my life because, you know, like I said, we can be strong and self-sufficient for a really long time. But this was one area that I couldn't. I couldn't be strong enough. I couldn't be self-sufficient enough. And so for me, I had to really lean on the grace of God to carry me through. And so for me, grace means that Jesus loves you right where you are. And there's nothing that you can do to make him love you more or less. And so he accepts you right where you are. And for me, I think that that moments of weakness, probably my weakest moments really made me have to learn to depend on him and learn to believe what he said over what I thought. And, and that's a big thing because so many times our voices in our head can be so loud that we think they're the truth. But if we learn to believe what God said as the truth, then it's a whole different ballgame. And so I think this experience, as difficult was it, as it was, as long as it took, really deepened my relationship with the Lord and taught me how to depend on him and believe his words more than my own. Because I just realized like my heart and my mind are faulty. They're subject to all kinds of things, but his word never fails. And so that's kind of what I learned from that. It's something like when we walk through difficult situations, we kind of have to make a choice on if we cling to God or if we run away. And I know that's, there's a big verse in, um, in Romans five that it's, um, you know, rejoice in your suffering because suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character and character hope. And it's, it's in Christ that we can experience that hope. And so I know for me going through suffering and, and mental health stuff, like I've had to cling to God because without him, I don't have hope. So, um, I do kind of want to hear too, you know, we're, we've talked in this series about moving on, moving forward and moving others. And I'd love to kind of hear how this has impacted your life as far as reaching other people and you, know, you have a podcast, um, how has this really equipped you to, to, to do what you do and has it helped you? Has it hindered you? Um, I would just love to hear your experience with that. I think that this experience made me more human <laughs> and less dependent on myself and more vulnerable as well. Because as I said, when I realized that talking about it, that I ran into more and more women that it encouraged me because they said, hey, we've gone through that and we're okay. It made me really want to share my story and want to come alongside other people walking through this and say, hey, you can do this. And here's my story and here's what happened and and really to bring them hope. And um, so I think I just love it because every once in a while, God will just bring somebody across my path that's going through something like I went through 
and I'm able to, I wrote this little ebook all about my experience and we'll, I'll send you the link if you want to share it with your listeners, all about my experience and five tools to interrupt anxiety. And I've just been sharing it, you know, all along because I think so many people are going through this and, and we really need hope. And so it's, I would say it's giving me a tool to really relate to people and their struggle you know, because sometimes we can look, I didn't understand anxiety before this. Like, you know, I just like, oh, you're worried. Don't worry. God's got it. Like, <laughs> get over it, you know? And that was, that was such a shallow reality. But I think being able to identify with the perceived shame of the mental issue and then also actually walking through things where I wasn't strong and I had to depend on other people it gives you such a compassion for people that are going through that because you know how incredibly difficult it is. And you understand that people are walking through this every day, all the time. And they just really need someone to come along and say, you're going to make it. I mean, I didn't, like I said, I was many days, I thought I was going to die in my home with my toddler and she was going to be stuck there with my body. And here I am almost 20 years later encouraging people and just walking the steps that God has put out for me. There was so many times that I didn't think I was going to be alive the next day. And, but God had a plan. And I just want people to understand that those feelings aren't forever and they won't guide you forever. There's a bigger plan for your life and you're not limited by going through those things because God is still using you and he's still using you every day. And he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And that never goes away. Your struggles don't negate the plan. They actually make it stronger. And I just to throw out, I was talking with my middle schoolers. Um, I'm living with my sister. So we got three middle schoolers. I was talking with them yesterday about Moses. And because they said, oh, well, Moses killed a guy. And I was like, yeah, but you know what? That was that did not disqualify him from being the leader that God called him to be. As a matter of fact, the fact that he ran. So Moses knew that he was to be the deliverer because in that, when he did that, I think he had in his heart, like, I know something that's coming up and, but it was the wrong time. And so, you know, the Hebrew brothers looked at him and said, Hey, what are you, our deliverer and judge, you know? And, and so Moses ran away and did the 40 years in the wilderness. But I was telling the kids, the funny thing is, those years in the wilderness are what prepared him for his future leadership role to take all the Israelites out of Egypt. And as a matter of fact, I was telling them that mountain that he was on when he had the burning bush is where the children of Israel ended up going for 40 years. So God was literally giving him the layout through his failure for his future. So if you're walking through this, this doesn't negate your future. God has plans for you and he's going to use it in your life. I love it. And I, I think you really touched on something really key there. I So this whole series is, is kind of anchored in um, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, which talks about laying down the burdens and the sin that so easily entangles and running the race with perseverance, uh, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. I mean, that's a totally loose translation of it. But right before that is that whole chapter on faith. And essentially, like the writer of Hebrews accounts all these people that God has identified as people of faith and they're not perfect people. Moses is in that list. And it's, it's a thing that's so cool. I think about the Bible is it gives this really in-depth explanation as to how human these people were, even though they had faith, 
they were still broken. And to me, that gives me hope because if there's hope for them to be people of faith, there's hope for me to be a person of faith, hope for you to be a person of faith. And I think it's important for us to really, um, I mean, take time to study the Bible and, and learn about these people that were flawed, but were still loved by God, that still loved God. And, and God had grace for their failings. So I think that's really profound. Um, before we really wrap up, I would kind of love to hear if you have something you'd like to share, uh, maybe for someone, maybe a woman that's walking through this right now um, with panic disorder, or maybe to her community, the people that are trying to love and support her through this. If I was talking to you, I would just say, you are not alone and God's not done with your life. He's not done with your purpose. And he's walking beside you every single step that you're going through, every moment of what you perceive as weakness. God's strength will carry you through to the other side. You're not going to stay stuck here. You're walking to the other side. And this path that you're walking is going to get better. So keep taking one step at a time, even if your step is literally getting out of bed or your step is literally putting your clothes on, or your step is literally taking a shower, or your step is taking your child to the park. God's not done with you. And it makes me like super emotional, but he's not done with you. And you have a purpose and a plan. And he's using this to help you reach your destiny. So don't give up. Just keep going one step at a time and don't lose sight. There is a light at the end of the tunnel and it may be this big right now, but it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Just trust in him. He's doing a good work in you. And then to um, the community to support. Oh my goodness. I can't tell you how patient my husband and my community were with me. They were a soft landing place when I would say the craziest thing that I was feeling without being judged. So be patient, be a soft landing place, be a place where they can express what they're going through. Put your arms around them, let them cry. It's hard. It's hard. Don't dismiss. Don't just say, get over it. <laughs> I had some people tell me that, well, just get over it. Or they would say, it's just spiritual. You just need spiritual prayer. I didn't. I needed medicine. I needed therapy. It helped me get over that. And I also needed prayer. So pray for them, support them, listen to them, let them cry and be a soft landing place and don't give up on them. Um, there's so many times that my husband could have just given up on me and said, this is too hard. And he never did. So I would encourage you to don't give up on them. Keep loving them and encouraging them that they are going to make it to the other side. And you can't overestimate how important your support is for that person. You may be, for some moments, the lifeline that's keeping them hanging on. So just give them a lot of love. Give them a lot of grace. Give them a lot of encouragement. I think that's what I would say. That's great. Thank you so much, Julie. And um, maybe for someone, if you're listening to this and this really resonates with you, if you don't have a support system or if you're looking for resources and, and therapy, please reach out to me. I would love to connect you with some of my friends that are therapists and psychiatrists. I would love to connect you in that way to help get you the support and the, the 
resources that you need to overcome this. So if that's, if this is resonating with you, please reach out. I would love to connect you. Um, and again, Julie, thank you so much just for joining us on the show and sharing your story and your wisdom and the things that God has taught you through this experience. Well, everyone that's listening, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Faith, Hope, Love, and I will see you all next week.